This is the Coleman Associate Innovation Podcast. Innovation? Yeah, innovation. New, original, and creative. This podcast is designed to challenge the way you think about how healthcare is delivered. Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the fasten seatbelt sign. If you haven't already done so, please take your seat and fasten your seatbelt. Welcome to the Coleman Associates Innovation Podcast, the podcast that brings innovations and best practices in healthcare to your podcasting app. I'm Adrienne, your host, and today I'm excited for our first episode of our Closing the Gap series. For this episode, I'm joined by Joshua V. Barr, who is the Director of Civil and Human Rights for the City of Des Moines, Iowa. Joshua is experienced in addressing racism and discrimination from a legal perspective and from a hearts and minds perspective. Even as someone who has thought a lot about the social determinants of health and how we address them, hearing Joshua's own personal story and his experience with John Henryism made me think differently about how we build systems for patients, staff, and communities that truly close the gap on health disparities. Don't worry if you've never heard of John Henryism because Joshua is going to explain it. So without further ado, let's hear my conversation with Joshua. So do you want to start us off by just introducing yourself? My name is Joshua V. Barr, and I am from South Carolina. I came to the United States by boat, not by plane. And I am now in Des Moines, Iowa, operating as the director of the Des Moines Civil and Human Rights Commission, where our goal is to ensure opportunity and justice for all. In the, in the realm of civil rights and human rights here in the city in, in regards to employment, uh, health, public accommodations, and any other socioeconomic issue that prevents people from moving up uh, the socioeconomic ladder and being all that they can be. So I'm thinking that some of our listeners might be wondering why I'm interviewing somebody who's a lawyer for a healthcare podcast. So I was just curious if you can explain from your perspective how you think your work impacts uh, the health of your community. Um, one, one of the things I'm big on is I focus on uh, the intersection of uh, race in particular and economics, uh, but also uh, race and education, even race and health. And you really want to focus on systemic issues. Health is a big part of that. And that systemic work is about policy change, change in laws. It's also partly hearts and minds. I came up with kind of two things that we really do, one to address policy, the other to address hearts and minds. The policy work is entitled Bridging the Gap, where we do community dialogues, engaging with community. I'm trying to understand what's important to them and utilizing those conversations and their concerns to draft policy for the city. So one of those things is to improve stable housing for communities. So we've made source of income a protected class where if you get a housing voucher or a social security disability or VA benefits, you know, persons can't deny you the ability to rent or live there because you receive government benefits. And that's a policy change that we've done. And you know, we're working on a workforce equity plan to make the city government more reflective of, of the community. On the hearts and minds track, we did a documentary uh, entitled Breaking Bread, Building Bridges. We matched up 40 persons, about 40 persons, uh, based on their differences. They had dinner over the course of, of a few months, five separate dinners. There were two in public that were kind of moderated or facilitated by myself. And then once they felt comfortable, they went into each other's homes and had uh, one dinner at another person's home, casual, however they normally have dinner. You don't have to pull out the filet mignon or anything. Uh, and then they would flip it a few weeks later, go into the other person's home, have a casual dinner. 
And then finally, we had a final dinner kind of coming back to see what they loaned for one another. And, and I think it's really important because in these polarizing times, we got to have a, a, a voice of reason that says, hey, uh, we're bigger than our differences. And that's something we designed and we worked on. That is so cool. So I'm thinking specifically about healthcare, but what have you seen racism look like? You know, there, there, there are three kinds of racism. So there is individual racism, the individual power that you have to oppress or discriminate against people because of the color of their skin. And so when you're addressing that implicit or unconscious bias, those things affect how you interact with people. I'll give you an example. I was looking for a dermatologist here in the Des Moines area, and there are there aren't any dermatologists of African descent. So I finally choose this one person. And, you know, I had some, you know, skin issues that I wanted to address. But first of all, the lady didn't touch me at all. She didn't look like, I mean, dermatologist is about looking at the skin. And she just was all off at a distance telling me what my issue was without looking at anything. And I'm like, okay, all right, I will never come back here. <laughs> I will never come back here. And it was like she was almost afraid to touch me. And this is a doctor. And if you walked away and asked her, are you racist? She would be like, no. But there was something in her that says, I cannot touch this person. And then there is structural racism, which is uh, the structures that we have in place, which may or may not benefit you know, one group over another because of, again, color of skin, the, these issues. But then there's also institutional racism and institutional racism looks at our various institutions and sees and looks at how are they treating people because of color of skin. So, for example, uh, if an individual typically denied access to uh, jobs and and equal education, they may make a bad choice. That bad choice may lead to them being uh, arrested. And in some situations, you know, cops do have the leeway, or especially prosecutors, prosecutors in particular, have leeway to decide whether or not they're going to move forward. Are they going to offer this person some sort of pretrial intervention where they can actually get help and assistance, where they just drop the charges if, the, if it doesn't exist? But um, research shows that persons of African descent and persons of Latino descent are more likely to go all the way through the court process. And when they go through the court process, they're more likely to be convicted and get a heavier conviction than a person of European descent. Once you get that charge, once you get that conviction, it's harder to get a job and it's harder to get housing. It's harder to get loans. And that's just the whole structure in and of itself coming down and being more unforgiving against persons who aren't of European descent. You know, my area of expertise is really around these ideas of social determinants of health and everything that you listed is something that's impacted by racism and these power structures are also social determinants of health, right? Is like access to resources, access to housing, access to all of these, um, these infrastructure pieces is what ends up impacting folks' health. Do you want to describe what John Henryism is? I'll be honest. I lived John Henryism uh, before I knew what it was. John Henryism is first of all comes from the story of John Henry. For for your listeners who may not know what who John Henry is, uh, but John Henry is a tall tale, uh, kind of like Paul Bunyan, uh, where you had a, a gentleman who was of African descent who had a, who was born with a hammer in his hand, and he just whacked that hammer everywhere. And eventually, he helped, according to the, these these tall tales or American tales, 
he helped build the railroad. But in the midst of building a railroad with his crew, um, they came up with a new machine that could drill through a mountain faster. And John Henry and, and another person but said, no, we can beat this machine and then we can drill through the mountain and get this train track laid down. And John Henry worked as hard as he could and he actually beat the machine, but he died. Oh, through all that work, he, he strained himself so much that he eventually killed himself. Uh, but John Henryism takes that burden of trying to operate in a in a toxic Eurocentric racist system and bearing that burden of 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 trying to deal with and manage all of these issues, these structural, these institutional, and this individual racism. To the point where it actually, you know, damages you mentally, in in your physical health. So it's, it's, this is this is what John Henryism is about: is that burden that we bear, uh, believing that we have to be heroes and that we have to bear these burdens, and ultimately the strain that it has on us, and that could you know ultimately kill us, and if we're not careful, and we're not monitoring this because John Henryism has a it has conditions that can lead to, you know, heart disease and diabetes. Uh, typically, for persons from uh, disadvantaged backgrounds, is not necessarily on African Americans. But uh, there was a ProPublica article that came out, I believe it was late last year, that really talked about John Henryism effect and how it was exacerbated by COVID nineteen. And that's actually where I was first uh, introduced, and it just talks about, you know. If you're on that John Henryism scale, regardless of who you are, it just talks about the impact that it has more on men of African descent here in the United States who bear that, you know, familial pressure that uh, provide for family, professional pressure to build up your status and your reputation, uh, the community pressure to be a person that's doing good and, and, and really trying to both set an example for the community, but also provide for the community. Uh, research shows that, you know, most persons that are of non-European descent, a lot of their money doesn't just go to their nuclear family, but there is an extended family that they support, particular uh, in Latino and African-American communities. And so John Henryism just talks about the compound effects that bearing all these burdens, familial, professional, uh, societal, communal, uh, can have on a person and ultimately their health. Absolutely. And for me is, you know, like I've studied as a nurse how stress and there's there's a, a huge body of research that stress impacts overall health outcomes and thinking about and I've been reading a lot this summer about, you know, this idea of I think they they reference it in the article too that W.E.B. Du Bois talks about double consciousness and having to try and exist in both worlds and have all these added factors. And it makes total sense from a physiological standpoint that would have a huge effect on stress and therefore on health outcomes. So so I was very glad to be introduced to the term. Do you want to talk about your personal experience with John Henryism? Well, you know, I think for me, when I read the ProRepublica article, and it, and it, and it gave some examples of, of certain men in their community who were doing just so many things. They, they owned a business. Uh, they were taking care of their families. Uh, there were a number of persons that depended on them from their extended family, as well as people in the community. And I, and I thought about myself. Now, first of all, there's a saying in the African-American community that, uh, that that we have to work twice as hard only to get half as far. And, and you know, and, and I have personally found that to be true. You know, now that I have some pretty good health care, you know, I went, saw a doctor. My doctor, they did a physical on me. 
And he was like, wow, like, you're at danger of having a heart attack. So of course they go through all the questions. Well, you know, do you smoke? No. Do you drink alcohol? No. Do you do drugs? No. Do you do hard drugs? No, I don't do any kind of drugs. What kind of food do you eat? Do you eat a lot of red meat and this and that? And I'm like, I'm vegan. Uh, oh, we're vegan. Okay. <laughs> um, and he's like, oh my God, I can't figure out what's wrong with you. You are at such a high risk for a heart attack. And when we were having those discussions in my head, I'm like, man, this racism, racism is killing me. That's what I'm saying to myself. I'm not saying this is my doctor it was actually the same complexion as me, but you know, it was just something I thought in my head. I mean, I feel the stress every day of racism, especially because I'm in the civil and human rights realm. And you know, it wasn't until I really read this John Henry article that I that it really all clicked. It came together like, okay, I'm in danger of a heart attack for a lot of the same reasons. We, as people of African descent, just have so many pressures put upon us living in a country that wasn't designed for us and that we've had to continue to push and fight for to make it live up to its ideals of liberty and justice for all. And that just sparked something in me that I have to be even more cautious of, number one, uh, what I eat, uh, but also uh, how, how much I work. I, I you know, I've only been here like a little over five years and I've already capped out on vacation time. These issues are going to be here for the rest of my life and beyond my lifetime, unfortunately. I need to really check myself. So since then, uh, I've started therapy, which is something that is frowned upon in our community. I trying to work less is trying. It's still a, a struggle. Old habits die very hard. And um, just really just trying to, you know, do what's best for myself uh, and best for my health, ultimately. But it's, it's an ongoing challenge. So what, what advice would you have for our listeners? You have to check uh, your unconscious or implicit biases. And I know that's so cliche. I actually don't actually use the word implicit or unconscious bias. I really talk about systemic racism. Uh, I think if you address the systemic racism, uh, then you'll address the underlying cultural conditioning that plays in our interaction with others. And implicit bias is about the, the underlying cultural conditioning that you receive through the paideia of you know, uh, the civic organizations, the religious institutions, mass media, and the schools you attend that paint perceptions that we have. And so if you are, if you've heard something I said today, it's like, oh my God, we got to address you know, John Henryism. First of all, thank you. Uh, but second, uh, you uh, address, you also have to address the cultural conditioning that has been played upon you and uh, how you treat and interact with people who look different from you. You need to check, you know, like what underlying things have been put upon me by others. And those things affect how you interact with people. So I really want people to mobilize and address John Henryism. So not just in the communities that you serve, but also in the people that you work with. What uh, systems, structural and institutional racism do we have at place in our organization that make persons of African descent and, non and other non-European groups feel like they cannot speak out or be themselves at work? And then uh, we got to encourage people to take more time off. Persons of African descent, we've been trained to work twice as hard only to get half as far. Uh, and you know, we are less likely to take vacation. We just feel like the pressure is on us. Prioritizing taking time off and self-care is great advice from Joshua that I think may be even more important in the era of COVID-19. 
Even though I've been reading and studying to learn more about the history of racism and health disparities this year, hearing Joshua made me realize how much more I have to learn about the root causes of health disparities. Joshua described it as a lifelong journey of discovery, and really, that's the purpose of this Closing the Gap series, to help our listeners to learn more about the intersection of history, public policy, and the health of our patients and our communities. My takeaways from this episode are to think about how the processes we create in health centers impact health disparities and to make sure that we are educating health center staff about implicit biases and how they can impact people of color. Special thanks to Joshua for taking the time to join us for the podcast. You can check out the link in the show notes to read the ProPublica article that Joshua mentions. Make sure you're subscribed to get episode notifications as we release them. And to keep up with all the Chispa happenings, follow us on LinkedIn. Shout out to Jonathan at Bionic Squid for all of his podcasting help, and we'll see you next time.